0: Welcome to the Motorsport Driver Development Show. My name is Keto.
1: I'm Katie. And we are the co-founders of Mod Racing and the Northwest Rally Association. And this show is designed to bring you interesting people in the world of rally to hopefully help you learn, answer questions you might have, maybe inspire you a little bit. Um, We took an accidental month off. We kind of thought it would be two weeks, but we had two of our biggest events. Over the last month. We did. Yeah. We had Rallycross Fest at Dirtfish.
0: Vegas race. Rallycross race in the US.
1: Yep. Uh it was four days. We had was. novice classes. Not one novice class. Two advanced classes. Practice. Practice day.
0: Two courses.
1: Two courses on race two day. nice long courses. Yeah. Yeah, I told um keto and Nate Tennis, who's the lead instructor at Dirtfish. I wanted courses that were about a minute 15 long and we got two minute courses. So
0: yeah, it was fun. We screwed that one up. Thankfully,
1: thankfully. Yeah, they were really fun. They were really exciting courses. Yeah, we
0: had a lot of high speed sections going into technical sections. Surface changes the two courses had very different surfaces on them as well, so yeah, and they were designed
1: really differently, which was cool, yeah,
0: and it was uh, yeah, it was challenging. And so, you know, I think that um, this year that race became really the premier race in the U.S. for rallycross. You know, we had um, 147 signups, something, Mm -hmm. something something like that. that, yeah, and um. I mean, we had classes that were, you know, like Mod Rear was like 28 people or Mm -hmm. something
1: like that. Mod Rear had like nine co-driver or dual driver cars. (laughs) Yeah, those those
0: cars were getting worked pretty hard. But, you know, so it was a great race. You know, uh, I saw a lot of people who took the classes uh, end up on the podium as usual. Mm -hmm. We had um, award ceremony, even though we had social distancing, which was great. Everybody was masked. We had the podiums made by Chris Kobayashi mm-hmm. that are like uh, Russian nesting dolls. So we're <laughs> able to pull them apart and uh, have them separated by 10 or 15 feet.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: luckily, the guys had enough skill to make champagne fly that far.
1: Mm-hmm. And champagne kills.
0: COVID. Because um, it has al- alcohol. Because it has right? alcohol in it. Yeah. We'll yeah. go with that. That's the CDC yeah. requirement to wash down with. Yeah. You just hose yourself champagne. in a
1: bottle of champagne. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It was. Real, it Wonder was actually. One thought of, of that. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of amazing. There was a thunderstorm rolling in right as we did awards, so we tried to book through them, and then the the thunderstorm moved moved past us. We yeah, got like it was a a lightning. 30. Yeah, we got. Oh, yeah, we could see the lightning the whole
0: time. Yeah, yeah, we were crazy. watching that pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it,
1: we got poured on for about a minute while we were cleaning up, and that was it. Yeah. So.
0: But yeah, it was a great event.
1: Super great. And, you know,
0: I think a lot of people said it was the best weekend of their life.
1: Which. Mm-hmm. No pressure uh, for next year. Right. Yeah. But,
0: you know that makes us feel really good about you know what we what we managed to accomplish. Yeah, definitely. Um, next then, year, you know, we think make it even bigger and see if we can maybe get some sponsorships some prize money for classes. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm trying to hit that 200 mark.
0: Yeah, so. that'd be great. Get start start piling over 200. Yeah. It'd be really really
1: awesome. Hopefully the really Canadian border will be open.
0: Yeah, we missed the Canadians this year. We missed, we them missed a lot. We missed you Canadians. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the uh with the border being closed, yeah, we missed out a lot of our our BC crew coming down, yep. uh, competing in that one and the next race, which is
1: which is Hannigan. Hannigan, which is which just is, by the Canadian border. Well, yeah. not that close, but yeah, an pretty hour.
0: Close. It's, yeah, it's a little less an hour, I yeah. think, from the border. So,
1: so yeah, we went from from Rallycross Fest, and then three weeks later, we had Hannigan. Yeah, which is a two-day event. At an old motocross course. Yeah,
0: with night racing.
1: With night racing. Yeah. It was really fun.
0: So, yeah, imagine if you've ever done night racing now, add um, elevation change. Yeah. Um, coming over crests and, you know, um, no dark. way no way to get light over that <laughs> crest yeah. so yeah you just see it as it as it pops up and yeah yeah so that's that was really fun I think i I measured it with the GPS and it was something like 231 feet of elevation yeah. change yeah or so somewhere, somewhere in there
1: yeah
0: which was is pretty awesome so that, cu- that couple surfaces
1: yeah it has a couple surfaces but that weekend is just really fun from like a um Uh, like community aspect like everyone camps well almost everyone camps it's a couple days you get to hang out and being outside you can you can still be distant and barbecue with your friends and be able to safely hang out with them which is just right now just feels like such a gift so
0: yeah yeah so that that one turned out really well too you know sold out as well and you know had a lot of fun Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, ran a second course on Sunday mm-hmm. um, which is also a lot of fun uh, through a couple extra elements in it going the other way Yeah. Uh, so yeah and then now we have another one coming up
1: we don't well it's not really coming up if yeah. registration opens tomorrow this won't come out until after registration is probably opened and sold yeah. out but we yeah. have our first event um, out at the King County Fairgrounds the Enumclaw Expo and Event Center in, yeah. in Enumclaw
0: yeah and that'll be one of the first times I think we're going to be running a traditional style rally cross where we're using a grass field. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So for those of you in the Pacific Northwest who've only rallycrossed with us, we sort of do outside of the norm. If you go to rallycross in other places across the country, you're generally in either a big open grass or kind of dirt field. Yeah. And we use all different kinds of tracks and roads and through the woods and that sort of thing, which is not quote unquote normal so this is your traditional grassroots rally cross out in a field of grass which will be fun
0: it will be fun so we actually have coined a term called sport rx and that's kind of what we feel we do it's Mm -hmm. a little you know since we don't generally do the traditional rally cross whether we're operating at a motocross uh track or we're operating at dirt fish Mm -hmm. or you know venue like that um it's not often that we're just in a in a grass field. Yeah. But again, this grass field is a little different than just a standard flat grass field. It does have some elevation changes. There definitely will be some, um, there will be some gates that will be out of view until you get up on them, until Mm. you, you know, come over a crest and see them um so it'll still be a lot of fun and those who haven't done a lot of racing in grass fields this is going to be quite different um, amount of traction type of tires that you're going to want to use it's going to be quite different
1: and it's in october which around here could mean a great cool beautiful sunny day or it could mean an awful wet sloppy day so we'll find out yes we will um so, yeah, back to present time for all of our Northwest friends right now, like, dealing with smoke and fires. We hope you guys are all safe. and.
0: Yeah, the latest 2020.
1: Yeah, so yeah the apocalypse. But, <laughs> you know, I know a lot of you have had to evacuate and are dealing with heavy smoke. So we hope you guys are all safe and sound. Um, and if you are hunkered down in your house, this is the perfect time to listen to today's episode, which we interviewed... Dan Coverdale. That's right. The founder, the owner of Final Tents, which I think in the episode we asked him to describe it and he didn't really nail it down. So I'll describe it for you. He has a really cool company where he sells kind of rally merchandise. He's just a longtime fan of the sport. He's out of the UK. He does these really great stickers and Mm -hmm. shirts. A lot of them are kind of limited edition. Mm -hmm. Um, And they just all really capture the spirit of rally
0: that's right. right yeah yeah and we've worked with him in the past a little mm-hmm. bit um he um we had a sticker package that was done by him and then he also did the design for rally cross fest last, last year, year yeah. as well so it's the the black t-shirts with the yellow logo on them mm-hmm. and so yeah we just are really interested in businesses that support rally as well and are just
1: as hyped about it as we are
0: that's right yeah
1: yeah and he's great i mean when we you'll hear in the interview he um he just started this business from his heart and he you can tell he has so much passion around it and so hopefully there's some good good nuggets in there for any of you who sort of have a little passion inside of you to kick off a business whether it's for rally or something else you know he talks about really just getting in there and the things you learn and making it happen and you know he has a family and a job and he does all this on the side and he does a really amazing job so yeah he does yeah so that's that so join us in welcoming dan coberdale to the mod show and thank you as always for listening Welcome to the Motorsports and Driver Development Show. My name is Katie. And
0: I'm Keto. And
1: today we are joined with Dan Culverdale, who is a UX designer and also the founder and owner of Final 10. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So why don't you give us the elevator pitch? Just tell people what Final 10 is if they don't already know.
2: I would say it was an afternoon's work back in 2000 an 11 that got out of hand. Uh, and it's kind of expanded since then. So it's my side project alongside my full-time job. So I'm a illustrator, product designer, uh, business owner. Did a little bit of photography as well. Kind of anything that fits the needs of the business. And final 10th, what what is it? I had this down in my head. Uh, <laughs> final 10th to me is it's about like the last 10% of something you can get 90% of the way with something, but really you need that passion and that drive to succeed, to fill in that final 10%. And for me, that's what the brand is. It's not going 90% of the way. It's going hundred percent of the way. Is that really deep? Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, that's so, you know, it's interesting. You recently changed the name of your business and, I actually am really curious about the name you had before.
2: Yeah, so we were called uh, We the Terrors before, which was, I think when I started, a lot of this was in its infancy. Uh, The industry was a lot smaller. There weren't really many people doing what we were doing. So really in that respect, we were kind of like a challenger brand. We came in and did things differently to how people had done it before. Uh, So the name was a reference to kind of the noise and the spectacle of rally cars so that kind of filtered through into the products uh, yeah i grown up uh, the business has grown up uh it's been around for a while i think we just got to a point where i wanted to step it forward in terms of professionalism and just broaden the base a little bit so we were still a challenger but kind of we knew what we were doing a little bit more and I've, i'm a bit more professional in what i'm doing now as well
1: Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that you describe the business as an afternoon's work because I look at like if you, so just to everyone listening and watching, if you go to the website, there are sort of rally focused stickers, t-shirts, coffee mugs, and they are so clearly made by someone who loves the sport. Like it just through and through, it's so clear that you love it. So to say, it's like, oh, it was an afternoon's work that it's kind of evolved. I'm like, no, there was a lot that went into getting this up and going.
2: I I had an initial idea for a t-shirt and it was it was just a text t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did it in an afternoon, just kind of playing around with, I was teaching myself illustration and I wanted to move beyond what I was doing in terms of my day job and, and explore different areas of creative. So it kind of snowballed from that. The first one we did... Did really well. I was kind of surprised at how that was received, and then I had a second design, and then it just sort of snowballed from there. One design fed into another, and then it's kind of grown exponentially since then. So now it's uh, it's much, much, much bigger, and it takes a lot more than an afternoon.
0: So, you definitely have a love for Rally. And anyone yes. who clicks on your website is it's pretty obvious. So, why don't you tell us? when that love affair began (laughs) and how it began?
2: I think with sports, particularly in the UK, uh, I guess you kind of fall into what your parents like. Uh, So my father didn't like football. He wasn't interested in football. We were never a football family. Um, My mother didn't have an interest in any sports, which she preferred kind of horse racing. So my dad was really into motorsports. So for me initially, it was a touring car. So I picked up kind of the super touring era of touring cars. Uh, my earliest kind of rally memory was of the network queue, the year it snowed and Steve Blomqvist, I think he finished third or fourth in the Skoda Felicia. And that's the first kind of rally I can actually remember, remember watching uh, from there's lots of events locally, kind of single value rallies, we call them. Uh, so we went to a few of those. And then in 1999, I went to Silverstone with my father and my brother for the for the Network networking. And that was my first WRC event. And then from there, it's kind of, kind of grown, maybe got a little bit out of hand at some of times, <laughs> uh, just to become like a, a real... A real passion and sometimes it's kind of like very consuming uh so that's been my focus for the past year i do like other the forms of merch but really rallying is the core of my interest and it always has been
0: so is that now um is it a family affair now multi-generational get together get the cowbells head out to uh to, out to uh, race and do your thing or used
2: to we used to drag my grandfather to a few events. Uh, I don't know if he was as keen uh, as we were. Uh, my father has been to several events with me. My brother's been to events with me. Uh, my wife, Justine's been to a few with me. I think she's less interested <laughs> than I am. Uh, and I have a three-year-old daughter now and she's got a little bit of interest. I think she's more interested in kind of pepper Pig and horses, <laughs> and <laughs> that sort of thing really at the moment. So, so maybe that will come later uh but yeah it's a it's a real kind of family thing there my dad's very involved with rallying e marshals, uh he goes to lots of events uh drives an like kind of all the cliches really mm.
1: that's so great i love that you've even tried to take your daughter i mean she'll be she'll grow up and it'll be a um a thing that she's super knowledgeable about and really i bet she'll get excited about it
0: i mean one thing I, I definitely noticed um in my travels to the uk you know for rally stuff is that um it's actually really acceptable over there for girls to be girls and still be rally drivers yeah. you know, i mean i see pink cars with flowers and parks <laughs> on it and the girls kick ass and you're just like okay well this is a little different <laughs> you know but it's awesome
2: i think it's something we're getting better. I, I don't personally feel we are at the level we should be at the moment. Uh, the drivers like Katie Munnings, who it's, it's great to see how she's developed through different series, and that I think maybe some of the support or network for females in the sport isn't as big as it could be. I think that's something as a sport we need to address. I think we're slowly getting there, but yeah, unfortunately, at the moment it is. Majority man. I think at clubman level, it's much more diverse. But I think maybe that doesn't carry up to the the more senior series. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, mm. we do a lot with our local series to have introductory classes and practice days and things like that because that seems to be a really great way for anyone who's new but specifically females to say okay if this is non-competition i'm more comfortable getting my feet wet and trying it and Mm -hmm. so we do we do a lot of little things like that that seem to really help but i just think there's a culture that somehow has said without saying it like dudes only Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah well we get off track um i would first like to know what was the first shirt you did you said you did one and it did really well is it one that you still have in your store
2: it was a driver's name t-shirt and it was there's a really iconic Beatles shirt with just John Paul Ringo and a George uh (laughs) sorry (laughs) yeah I'll get chastised for that later uh and it was purely the names and uh it's funny, we had a lot of debate about who would be on there, what order they would be in. Uh, I remember having Ogier on there at the time, and I didn't think he'd amount to much, uh, which is one of those opinions from the past I'm quite happy to be wrong on. Uh, obviously, <laughs> ended up being multiple champion. So, yeah, people just really bought into that, I think, because the style was very bold, and it was very different to what was out there. Historically, in the UK, motorsport merchandise tends to be very... A little bit dull, not very exciting. Uh, I think they're all roughly the same sort of size. So I think what we did was just something so different because we didn't have the constraints of appealing to sponsors or corporate guidelines or those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Being more abstract gave me the freedom to, to make something much different.
1: Yeah.
0: So, how did uh, this first shirt, you had this idea in your mind, you got it you know, onto a shirt um which is about this much of you know
1: the process the process yeah
0: right so what how did you go about selling it and you know marketing it out there and turning it into a hit
2: i think in terms of business line then i didn't know anything uh it was a very very steep learning curve the most difficult part initially was finding a supplier that would do a short run uh, i didn't want to do there's direct-to-garment printing, which is kind of what most people do, and then the screen printing, which is a bit more durable. I wanted to go down the screen printing route from the start because the quality on stuff I would had previously was very poor, and I really wanted to, to be better at what I was doing. Uh, so finding that initial supplier was the trickiest part. I think in terms of marketing, initially it was on Instagram, so we got a little bit of attraction there. It was mainly through posting rally photographs. Uh, and the initial run was only about 10 shirts. So selling 10 was okay. Scaling it up to, normally we do about 50 in a run There is was the tricky part. So it's been doing a little bit each time for several, several years. It's been a long overnight success, really.
1: <laughs> hmm. That's, that is consistently the trend. You know, it takes, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Mm. Um, so when did you make the jump from just sort of using Instagram or pictures online to actually having an online shop and going, I won't say all in cause you've maintained a full-time job as well, but like really putting a lot more effort into
2: it. I think it was sort of 2013 where I bought all the stuff for a trade store. So we used to do events. We did a few events, uh, So buying all the equipment, buying the shelter, buying the display pieces. Uh, Suddenly I had to have a range of stuff. You can't do a trade store with two products. So I think I had sort of 10 initially. So it kind of snowballed from there really. And as as the business grew, different areas needed to scale up. So from sort of 2013 onwards, it's progressively got bigger and I've got better at doing what I can do.
0: Hmm. And so uh, do you sell primarily in the UK or do you sell mainland Europe, US, Asia, Africa? Uh, (laughs)
2: Most most of the UK, we've got quite a big customer base in Finland, uh, which has evolved over the past few years. We do have several customers in the States. Uh, I sent a package to Guam as well Mm -hmm. about a week ago. Oh, cool. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. We've had customers in Australia. We've had customers in Germany, France, mm-hmm. Italy, Spain, uh, New Zealand, Australia, mm-hmm. even Japan, mm-hmm. uh, several European countries. So it's over time. It's really expanded, and having a really decent store has enabled me to to sell globally. You can be, you can sell globally now quite easily. Mm-hmm. At a small a small level, I don't know if you right. scaled but how much more difficult that would be.
1: That's so interesting. So talk to us a little about your process now of, I want to call it your creative process, but it's so much more. Do you just have ideas and you're like, oh, let's see if this sticks or are you really thoughtful and methodical about the products you create and how you add them to your store? I think
2: in the early stages, I would have an idea. Uh, I think as we've gone on, over the years it's more difficult to do that because you can end up repeating yourself mm. if you're not careful. Uh, there's a tendency to do, do the same sort of stuff. Uh, so now my process really is for the most part, I attend events. So I'll go and walk around the event. We've got some really good, uh, kind of big rally events in the UK. Uh, rally day is a very big kind of circuit based event where lots of cars are there. Uh, There's an event called Race Retro, which is a classic motorsport show, earlier on in the year. And normally you get upwards of 200 rally cars there. So I can, I can walk around a paddock and you kind of get inspired that way. Uh, Off the back of that, I'll go and then do the research. So you'll get an initial idea at an event and then you'll go away and you'll think, okay, is is this, is this a t-shirt? Is it a mug? Is it a sticker? Is this, part of a range should this be released in the summer is it a winter product uh can i can i do this a lot of the time is is the restraint
1: Hmm. so you just said all these things that i hadn't even thought about which is like is this a summer product how do you even make those decisions do you are you collecting market data are you relying on a bit of your gut just knowing about the industry
2: i think sometimes it is guesswork uh, things I think will do really well sometimes they've done really badly and sometimes things I think will do really well have done really well uh, some of it is knowing knowing the customer base Uh I try and talk to my community as much as possible and they feed in into what we're doing a lot so I get lots of kind of unsolicited uh <laughs> Design requests and things throughout the year. Some of them are very specific uh, and some of them are a bit more vague. Uh, So it's just taking all those bits and then putting them in the right order. So I do have some historical sales data, which Mm -hmm. helps inform decisions a little bit. But sometimes it's just kind of gut, really.
1: Yeah. Mm. If you're really passionate, though, I bet your gut is very informative. You know, it's probably more of an educated gut
2: yeah and I think I've always tried to to make stuff I would want to to buy uh, and stuff I'm passionate about really if you're not if you're not passionate about something and you're pushing it then really it kind of shows and people don't buy into that if you're passionate about something and you go ahead and do it I think a lot of the time people will buy into that I try to be a bit more abstract lately in terms of what we're doing because that's what we did initially and that was the stuff that people really got fired up about and that's the stuff I'm more passionate about. So I've done some kind of weird projects lately uh, just to be a bit more experimental. Sometimes things don't go forward and sometimes, sometimes they do but I think that for me is part of the, the process and I really enjoy, enjoy that part of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that originally caught my eye about your shop is that you do have things that no one else has. I think that there's obviously not a ton of like rally t-shirt shops, at least not for us. There aren't a ton out there. So the pickings are relatively slim, but what you do see is often a lot of similarities. So I, I love that you're kind of focusing on that a little bit. I'm curious if you've had anything that maybe was more of a success than you expected that just like blew it out of the water and was a total surprise.
2: Uh, I did a Ford Mark II Escort design based on uh, Moles Gap in Ireland, which is a famous rally stage. Uh, I'd had a bit of an inkling about the passion for this particular place. I've been there as well. Uh, but I ordered, I ordered 50 initially, and literally I, I sold them straight out of the box. I didn't have time to fold them. Uh, <laughs> the orders kind of really flooded me in an afternoon. By sort of five o'clock, they were all gone, and Mm -hmm. then I sold another two boxes of those. So we ended up selling about 150 of these t-shirts in the end. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't anticipated that level of passion, but I've grown to know over several years that the Irish rally community, in particular, is very, very passionate about rallying because that to them is it's a really top-tier sport, and -hmm. it's very kind of ingrained in their culture in a lot of respects. So whenever we've done anything kind of even vaguely irish related it's always done really well
0: so do you still sell that t-shirt
2: uh no it was uh i probably should actually shouldn't
0: i we'll
1: plug it here for you and then we'll do a big release and
2: (laughs) from
0: what i'm hearing yeah yeah you probably should
2: (laughs) so i i get better at making stuff uh the stuff i did originally was very simplistic uh as my skills progress stuff kind of gets benched and we sometimes we'll revisit it and sometimes we won't but I think I'm very critical about what I've done previously and I always want to kind of step forward with it. Yeah
1: so we so my background is actually in fashion design which I hated the industry because of sort of what you're talking about like you you work on something and then you have feelings about it. Kido does a lot of fabrication he builds a lot of things and there's There's a lot of emotion wrapped up in that process. And I think a lot of people don't realize it. Do you go back and ever, and I am asking this question from personal experience. I'm not expecting a specific answer, but do you ever go back and look at something you did and just be like, oh my gosh, why did I put that out there?
2: Yeah, all the time. (laughs) time. Uh, I did it this morning, actually, uh, on a design we did did a few years ago. Uh, The thing with t-shirts and products in particular is I always want stuff to be perfect, but really, if it was to be perfect, you would just do it perpetually and then never release it. So one of the biggest things I've learned over my career is getting it to a point that you're really happy with it and then going, okay, well, let's put that thing over here and release it. Because the best product is the product of the release. If you don't finish it, then it just sits there and then you lose interest in it and then it goes in an archive somewhere and then you quite often don't revisit it. A
1: hundred percent. I, we all do it. We get a little frozen in perfectionism and you just, you have to launch before you're ready.
0: Yeah. There's a different tiers for what I call good enough, (laughs) you know? So like if you build something for off-road that, you know, is going to get hammered by rocks, you know, you don't need to get every little detail out of it and make it a mirror finish. But you know, if it's going on an aircraft, then then it needs the mirror finish you know so there's these different levels of good enough that's that that definitely is in my world that way so yeah yeah oh, um, that's interesting
1: do you have favorites
2: in terms of uh, your
1: designs like do you go do you have like a favorite shirt or sticker you've ever done
2: i did i did a forward rs200 t-shirt and it was it had the beast of borum on it which was kind of a really abstract theme at the time. He was kind of playing on, uh, Boreham isn't there anymore. Uh, the Ford base, before it moved over to Malcolm Wilson, they basically did away with most of the Ford manufacturing there. Uh, so he was kind of playing on kind of like a horror aspect and it being a ghost and the kind of referencing group being there was a really kind of abstract concept, uh, but it did really well. And we, you get requested kind of five to six times a year that we reprint that Hmm. so hopefully i can revisit that in the future it's always stuff that i'm a real big ford rs200 fan so if i've done something with a a car or particular year that i'm really interested in i think those end up being my favorite products
1: do you ever make anything just for you like you just make one and you wear it around
2: I've got I've got an office full of. Uh, <laughs> what, oh, uh, I'm surrounded by these little Hinkelsteins at the moment. Wait, oh, I don't know oh, what yeah, those the, are. The the, the Hinkelstein, yeah, oh, from Germany, oh. right? Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah. This is, Panzerblatt stage on Rally Germany is a tank range. So, mm-hmm. Hinkelstein is a big concrete block which basically keeps the tanks on the road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they're on maneuvers, uh, it's a very niche. It's a very niche thing. Uh,
0: it's just it's that one
2: respect. stage, isn't it? Yeah, it's just that one stage. And mm-hmm. I think in some respects as well, it's kind of infamous because people have damaged cars and then mm-hmm. uh so it was just I, I like playing around with different things.
0: Yeah. For those for those who don't know what, what it basically is, is it's a and correct me if I'm wrong, it's a three-meter block with two meters buried, one meter above ground. And the idea was that during the tank training, if the tanks went off course, they would climb these blocks and it would sort of point them back onto the road. And now they use that as a stage, but like imagine like an interrupted concrete wall. Mm -hmm. And if you get off course, and I I don't know, they're they're like maybe a couple meters off the road. If you get off course and you snatch one of those with the car, it's it's epic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so- Also that's a great name. it, It has become kind of famous Hard destruction devices. Sure.
1: That's hilarious. <laughs>
0: so, that's so, great. I love that.
1: Let's talk about the business side of things a little bit. What are the parts of your job that you had no idea would be parts of your job when you started all of this?
2: Uh, customer service is the biggest one. Uh, dealing with that is very difficult. Uh, it's very rewarding as well because you know if you go the extra mile, then the customer's going to be really happy and they'll come back. And I
1: mm-hmm. kind of
2: pride myself on giving, everyone gets a really personal service. I very rarely get any kind of complaints, really, because most people tend to, to buy stuff over and over. We've got a really good customer retention rate. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of logistics, really, uh, figuring out postage, uh, will this fit in this box? How many can we get in that size postage? How much will that cost me? Can I ship this and make a profit on it? Is there enough margin in this for me to to cover costs? Mm-hmm. Those those are the things initially, when we were smaller, they were very simple. But as you we've got bigger, they get more complicated.
1: Well, you were talking about the sheer diversity in places that you ship to, and immediately yeah. my <laughs> brain went to the logistics. Like, how <laughs> do i do you use um I don't know what, if it's consistent around the world. Like, Do you use UPS or something like that to deliver all the same places, or do you have to pick different services based on where you're delivering
2: to? Uh, for the most part, we just use the Royal Mail. Uh, our postal system is pretty good, I would say. Uh, the problem tends to be with the postal systems in the country we ship to. Yeah. Uh, some countries have their own nuances and... Some things will take longer in certain places. Always had issues with Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's issues with Canada Post for some reason. But they're it's, they're it's they're kind of figuring out those nuances and building in the timescales and making sure you you've charged enough and does this need to be a track service for a certain country? Can it can it go by service now? There's a lot of different variables and things. Uh, I've mostly got you right sometimes it's tricky and i've made mistakes in the past where you may be not charging a postage so we end up covering a lot of that mm-hmm. uh, but it's got easier as i've got more experience mm-hmm.
0: so is your number one complaint then your customer service area is that shipping
2: like how yes. long it takes <laughs> like
0: yeah. actually getting it
2: have <laughs> got a it's kind of like a little bit of an ninja when a customer will email and say, where's well, a package? Normally it arrives the next day. Of course.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or it's out for delivery. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: You actually had someone email you and they, yeah. within like 45 minutes emailed back and were like, sorry, they're, I got it. They're like, hey, can I get
0: a <laughs> tracking number on that? I'm like, yeah, let me get that for you. And they're like, "Never mind, just showed up. <laughs>
2: okay. I've received, oh, you've said it's been delivered, but it's not. And then they'll go downstairs and check check another mailbox and it's there or a neighbor will have signed for the parcel or they weren't in and the parcel's gone to a depot and it's been in a depot for a week. So those are the two uh, kind of main complaints really.
0: So getting into this rally business, you didn't understand that you were going to become a shipping expert.
2: No. no, I didn't. Well, I didn't think I'd be an expert in a lot of things. really. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, with, with the business, you kind of, you have to learn as you go along. Uh, there's always stuff you'll be bad at, but you can get better at time. Mm. So I think everything's at a level now where I'm pretty confident in what in what we're doing.
1: Good, yeah, I would agree, by the way. Um, you also mentioned unsolicited requests. I'm, yes. I imagine that takes takes a bit of energy. People probably don't realize, but if somebody says, hey, you should make this thing, I assume you're not just like dismissing them. You're probably A, thinking, is this a good idea? Yes or no? And then B, excuse me, B, like then responding thoughtfully to the person and letting them know, like, thanks for your input. How much of your time do you spend doing that?
2: Uh, Not a lot. It tends to be via Twitter. I do, Mm. I have a Google form where people can submit ideas. A lot of people don't know about that. I don't really publicize that a lot. And that feeds into a document. So I do I do record things that people ask for. Because over time, if several people have asked for something, then then obviously that's an area we can look into. Mm-hmm. So everyone's... Some of them are a bit wacky sometimes. Uh, some of them are very specific. Like, okay, I want a variant of a 2003 Impressor wagon with certain wheels on it and a certain colour. and But you need to make 50 of them. Uh, there's a lot of that, really.
0: Uh, and you follow that with, oh, so you, you want to purchase fifty? You want to buy one? all fifty?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
2: That's really cool.
1: Oh it's
2: just, it's a process of you filter through hmm. the stuff you get, and you kind of hmm. you pick out the really good ideas, and that, and that filters into your own ideas, and then you kind of like collide in the middle, really, and then that. Those in the being products. In
0: and so, how often do you do commissioned work?
2: Uh, not as much. I did a lot over the summer. Uh, I was actually made redundant in February. Uh, so, I was out of work for a period of four months. So, I picked up a lot of commissioned work over the summer. Uh, mm. I've done best with M Sport before. Uh, oh. I did a little bit with Rally Travel, which is a specialised travel agent for Rally in the UK. And I've done little bits here and there for teams. Uh, I've done a few bits for teams in the USA as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kind of grassroots teams who sends me a little make a sticker or give us a little bit of design for its t shirt. So I think the business has always been something flexible. So I can pick up projects that I really want to work on. I don't need the commissions to keep the business going because we've got a good cash flow overall but those i'm able to work on really interesting projects that interesting passionate about doing
0: yeah well that's great i mean you know small teams hearing that you know you're willing to take that on my guess is you'll probably get a few phone calls yeah. <laughs> i mean small teams often think oh i can't do this because they're gonna want a run of like 100 or yeah you know 500 and like what am I going to do with that you know to yeah. store in my spare bathroom you know <laughs> type thing you know so yeah i mean i'm sure people love that and do smaller smaller runs
2: and design
1: well and, i mean you did you did our 2019 rally Fest event mm-hmm. logo we did all our stickers and everything and the i i'm assuming my feelings are similar to other people's feelings which is there's sort of an existing rally style you know, event stuff, you know, very similar. You could do something that has always been that way, or you could go to someone totally outside of rally and have something designed and maybe they do or don't get the, you know, sport and whatever. Or you can go to somebody like you who loves the sport, really gets It's going to come up with something creative that is not going to look like everything else, but still will fit within the world where you are. And I think that's the part that if you're a small team or if you're a small company or something of that nature, it's hard to find someone like that.
0: Yeah, I would agree.
1: Mm-hmm. And in and, and more than just, you know, graphic things, I think there's a, a lot of need for businesses that are like rally experienced. Yeah.
0: So let me ask you a question. <laughs> Starting all over again. Knowing what you know now, yeah. what, what would you do differently?
2: Uh, or would you? I think the journey is part of the fun. Uh, starting from a perfect place, I think it wouldn't have been as interesting. And we've we've had ups and downs. I've had periods where we've done really well. I've had periods where we've done done badly. Uh, and that really it's it's the kind of the roller coaster journey that makes. It makes it interesting. Uh, I think if if it had been easy, it wouldn't have been fun. I think supplies was the issue initially. So I think if I'd have known what I know now in terms of suppliers, I think the initial products could have been a lot better than they were. I think maybe would have had a bit more traction earlier on. Uh, I think starting a business now, I would say, is probably a little bit easier because. Motorsport and rallying has really developed from where it was when I started. I think with social media and just the availability of decent tools to make content, I think you can really you can be much bigger than you are from the start. I think it was always a struggle initially to build, to build that base community and then to grow it. Whereas now you've got so many different social media avenues you can work on. really back then, it was mainly sort of Twitter and Instagram that I had the traction
1: on. Especially with a visual business like yours, something like Instagram is such a game changer and I love following you on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I
0: definitely agree in in business, you know, making the mistakes, you know, tripping and falling teaches you how to get up and stand up, you know, and those are often the most important lessons, you know, that, that you learn, um, as you're moving forward. And so like, yeah, if you started where you already know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have those same, you know, punishing mistakes that make you <laughs> yeah. learn, do not do this, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 agree. I think the journey is a big, big, big part of it.
1: Yeah. Talk to us a little about jugging, jugging, juggling your job your family, a business? How, are you super structured? Are you, like, how do you manage it all?
2: I, I'm much better than I was. I used to be very kind of scattergun in terms of how I would do stuff. Now I have, I have Trello boards. I have documents. I have spreadsheets. I track all my sales. I've got Google Analytics data. I've got do Tweet TweetDeck. I've got all these different tools that help me work with less time but more efficiently so it, it's kind of evenings and a time of weekend and my wife gets really annoyed sometimes i'll have an idea when i'm just about to fall asleep and i have a i have a little notepad next to the bed and i'll write it down uh those ideas aren't always very good uh but just writing down ideas and, and making a log of stuff when you have it is really helpful. So that means I can, I can work efficiently with the limited time I have. Yet the time is much less. I've got a three-year-old daughter. She takes a lot of time in a good way. Uh, Really, it just helps me work smarter.
1: Yeah, definitely. I will say, if there's any skills or support you feel like you need, she's three. You can groom her now and have your star employee in thirteen years. So you know, keep that in the back of your mind.
2: She's really good at logistics, <laughs> posting, uh, putting things in boxes. She's really good at taking things out of boxes. If I, yes, if I need anything taken out of a box, you, you'll do that at the speed of light. That's hilarious.
1: I feel like you should have her on customer service call.
2: Mm, that's right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no one can be mad at a three-year-old this is they can't or at least not for long you can be mad for a hot minute <laughs> especially after they take all the things out of the boxes <laughs> right. so do you have any i don't know if you could share this do you have any projects coming up or anything you're releasing that you're really excited about
2: uh, so normally towards the end of the day we do a bigger release for kind of september october summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, People don't really tend to buy stuff. Uh, people are on holiday, uh, I, well, this year excluded. Uh, I think in the summer, kind of more like lifestyle products is what people, I've always tried to make stuff that can fit into people's lives and things like mugs and uh, we do outdoor cups and we've done blasts. Just stuff you can use every day rather than it just be a really hyper specific t-shirt you might wear to a car meet or something like that so we've got a big uh range of stuff launching in about a month so
1: in a month okay awesome okay. thank you so much for spending this time with us today tell people where they can find you and your shop online
2: it's www. if we still do that uh finaltenth.com and you can get everyone and on Instagram as well, we are Final Ten. Awesome! Great.
1: Yeah, I don't think you have to put in the www anymore. I'm pretty sure it just like takes you there, but
2: you can still do it. You can still do it. I don't it. think you have to. And... I used to get the internet on, on AOL on little discs that came in the post. So
1: yeah, you had to plug it into the phone, yeah. Jack. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, thank you again. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: So, so yeah, I still say www. <laughs> it's a. It's back
1: uh thank you again really appreciate your time this was so fun
2: yes great thanks for having me
1: thank you for tuning into this episode of the mod show if you're enjoying these episodes we would really appreciate you taking the time to leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen it helps us show up higher in the search results for people looking for podcasts about motorsports and as always you can follow along with our race series on instagram or facebook at mod racing or at Northwest Rally Association, Mod Racing is spelled M-O-D-D because it's an acronym for Motorsports and Driver Development. Alright, we'll catch you guys next time.